0: you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for coming to Real Life Christian Fellowship Church. If no one has had the opportunity to tell you thank you for worshiping with us today, I want to say thank you for coming to worship with us on behalf of all of um, when back in the day we used to say officers and members. But uh, on behalf of the elders and the ministers Pastor Leslie, Apostle Taylor, Mother Trappio, and Mother Cobb, and the Covenant Partners of Real Life. Oh, the deacons. Forgot the deacons. The the deacon and the deacons in training and the members, not the members, the Covenant Partners of Real Life. We welcome you guys. Come on, clap your hands and thank God for our visitors this morning. Can you give me just a little more volume because I'm not going to be able to work. Like I, yeah, thank you, vocally. Y'all, I believe that, I believe, I really believe, I was standing over there and I was listening to that song and Portia doesn't know what I'm ministering today and I thought that that was just perfect. God's like, perfect. You know what I mean? Like, Like, we see stuff and we say, oh, that was perfect. No, it wasn't. God's perfect. I I guarantee you, if you search that thing that you call perfect, you'd find a flaw. God's perfect. He doesn't do anything wrong. There's no wrong in him. And he saved you. I don't think y'all heard me. God never does anything wrong. And he saved you. Let that soak in. Revelation 21.4 says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things passed away. Same chapter, if we scroll down to verse 22. It says, 21, excuse me. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Jesus. Twelve gates, twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I ain't seen gold that looked that good yet. But if you drop down to 22, let's keep going. I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God omnipotent himself and the lamb himself are its temple. There was no need for a church. Jesus. We were just like, in heaven, you're just going to be in their presence. And that's church enough. Oh, my God. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, I want to go. And the city has no need of the sun, nor of the moon to give it light, give light to it. For the splendor and the radiance, glory of God, illuminate it. And the lamb is its lamp. The nations shall walk by its light, and the rulers and leaders of the earth shall bring into it their glory. Lord have mercy. Thank you, God, for your word. Amen. Look at Luke ten nineteen. This is the Amplified Version. I want you to hear this. It says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions, and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Come on, give God glory for that. Come on, everybody, come on. Come on, give God glory for that. Now listen now, listen, listen, listen carefully, it says. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan. So he says, I've given you the power that you already have, authority you already have, to tread on serpents and scorpions, excuse me, and the ability to exercise authority over Satan. And nothing will in any way harm you. Good word, good word, good word. But I switch back to the King James for verse 20, though. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. see that's the reason that we started with the description of heaven. What do you know about it? When I was a little boy, whenever there would be a funeral, a home going, somebody would say there'd be no more sickness. Come on how many of y'all grew up in the Baptist church y'all? I can't do it the way there's no more sickness, no more dying, no more crying. Remember that? No more, no more, no more, no more, no more. Every day will be Sunday. (laughs) Howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Remember that? Am I going back? Heaven is an awesome place it is for real. Not an abstract idea. It's not just a hope. It's not something that Christian people made up to make themselves feel better about being on earth. One day we're going to another place. Yes, one day we are truly going to heaven. But the thing about this, this text that we read, and for some reason one of the verses that I initially included dropped off. It It said that no one who lived outside of the will of God, were going to be able to gain passage into heaven, only those whose name had been written in the Lamb's book of life. See, only a certain group of people are going to be able to gain passage into heaven. Now, although heaven is for real, let me tell you what else is real. Everybody's not going to heaven. I know there are a lot of nice people in the world and good people, but the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And though in 2016 and the years to come, they're going to prescribe other ways to be able to get to God and to get to heaven, Jesus said that there's no other way to get to God the Father except by him. And he meant that. And, 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 And when we look at this text I want to back it up just for a minute Jesus says listen carefully I've given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy his name is Satan and nothing will in any way harm you so he's telling him he's saying listen I've given you this fantastic and tremendous power that you have now in the earth and yet you're walking in it and that you'll be able to tread on scorpions and serpents he said you have power and authority over the enemy, over the devil. You have power not only over Satan but over all his tricks and all of his plans and everything that he tries to throw into your life to get you off course. He says you have authority over that now. Come on y'all. But he says, he says even Satan has to bow down when you speak in the name of Jesus But but then he stops and he says hold on before you start celebrating. He says I don't want you to get so caught up in this authority and this power that you forget about what's greater than that. Something greater happened for you. Your name is written in heaven. Our topic for today is simply, do you have a reason to rejoice? Do you have a reason to rejoice? Sometimes we act like we don't. And it takes, it's like pulling teeth. To get the people of God to praise God. You have to preach the right sermon. At the right key. Sing somebody's favorite song. Quote their favorite scripture. In order for them to rejoice. Can I tell you something? The best thing that God ever did for you was save you. Well, it's a quiet saved church. Try it again. The best thing that God has ever done for you is saved you. It is the best thing. Your marriage getting back together is not the best thing. Your body being healed is not the best thing. That job you have is not the best thing. The degree that you got from school is not the best thing. The best thing that ever happened to you and will ever happen to you is the fact that God saved you. And all of the stuff we rejoice over, all of the stuff that we give praise for, all of the stuff we run around the church about, And we forget to give God praise for the fact that we're saved and that we're not going to hell in a handbasket. Can I get about two or three people in here to give God glory for the fact that he saved you? You're just glad to be saved if he never did another thing Another day in your life, you're glad that you're going to heaven. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I recognize that I don't deserve that. I'm not going to stand here and act like I deserve to go to heaven. That is simply the grace of our God. So people are always looking for a reason to put somebody down. Hoping that you fall one day so that your imperfections will be revealed. I wrote in my book about how people are afraid that one day people will find out that they are imperfect. It is the fear of most Christians that they'll be found out to be human. Flawed making bad decisions. It, it, it is a fear saved and filled with the Holy Ghost but living on performance mode because we're scared people to find out I'm not perfect. Can I tell you that the people that you are afraid will see your imperfections are also afraid that you will see theirs. And the reason that they point yours out And so that nobody will see theirs pointing to the speck in your eye so you won't see the tree in theirs. Let the real church of Jesus Christ say, I'm tired of folk. Yes, I am. If I preach, this is my last sermon, I'm going to go on and let it go. I'm tired of folk picking on other folk with all of our imperfect selves. We all go into heaven because God is good. And that's the only reason. Hadn't anybody here kept all the rules? Not a soul. I like that scripture. There's none that is righteous. No, not one. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. But we like that other song. That song that said, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. There's not one on the earth who's righteous. No, not one. See, y'all wouldn't even sing with me. No, not one. There's not a soul who deserves to go to heaven. No, not one. The only person, you know, let me tell you. Can I say this? If heaven was based on earning it, it'd only be two people there. The one on the throne and the one on the right. Heaven will be empty. Somebody just lift your hands say thank you, God. That's 50% of the message right there. In Luke 10, right, starting at verse 1, I, I promise y'all, I'm really not going to be long today. promise you. Luke 10, starting at verse 1, I want to read this because it, makes, it just helps to flow. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, okay, and sent them two by two, because we have to understand why Jesus is telling them this. First of all, why did they come back rejoicing, and why did Jesus tell them, don't rejoice in what you're rejoicing about, rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. And we need, we need to make sense of why this all happened. So what happens is in verse 1, he sends 70 others also, just keep that in mind, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So he sent them ahead of him, okay? And it says, then he said to them, the harvests are truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, so this is what he's actually doing. He's sending out laborers into the harvest. So verse 3, it says, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lamb among wolves. So he's telling them, okay, you're a lamb and they're wolves, okay? So when you go out in the world, you need to know what you're up against, okay? So before you go, you don't need to go thinking that you're one thing. You're not a wolf. You're a lamb, Okay. But don't worry about that. I got you, all right? Carry neither money, bag, money bags or knapsacks nor sandals and greet no one along the road. So he said, Don't take nothing to sustain yourself. Don't worry about it. I got you. And when you're going down the way, don't say nothing. Just keep your mouth shut, okay? And he said, But whatever house you enter first, say peace to be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it, okay? And so, but, but if then, if, the, if a son of peace is not there, your peace will come back to you, okay? Now, verse 7, and remain in the same house. So, if you speak peace to the house and the peace remains, stay there, okay? And stay there and then eat and drink. That's why you don't have to take nothing with you. Because I have some certain people in the city who are going to provide for you and take care of you. My dad used to tell me where the Lord guides, he provides. Somebody say Amen. So sometimes God'll tell you to go someplace and you don't have nothing, eh. Hey. God help me. And he'll tell you to do something. You don't have anything to get it accomplished, but he'll go anyway because when you get there, everything you need to be there. So when you speak peace to the house, the peace stays. He says, stay to that house, eat and drink such things as they give, for the labor is worthy, what? Of his wages. Now, do not go from house to house. Don't be bouncing around. Be stable, okay? He says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as I set before you. That means don't be picky. Whatever they put on the top oh, eat that. Say amen. Then he said, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, this happens after two important events, okay? So we have to back up because verse 1 says after, okay? So whenever you see the word after, you have to, right, Edward, you have to back up to see after what? So in, in Luke, 9, go to Luke 9, we're going on the screen, um, Jesus sends out the 12, okay? And he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases, okay? And he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said, take what? Nothing for your journey. Look at that. Now, he's telling them the same thing. He said, don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. He said, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. Same thing he told the 70, okay? And if a town refuses to welcome you, what do you do? You shake its dust from your feet. As you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. Okay, so this is the first part of that. But if you drop down to verse 57, and they're going to show it on the screen, so you stay with us now. And it says, as they were walking along, now Jesus walking with the disciples, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head, okay? So then he said to another person, come follow me. But after hearing that, uh, the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead sound real tough Jesus. He said your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said yes Lord I will follow you but first let me say goodbye to my family but Jesus told him anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit come on for the kingdom of God. So this is what happens before Jesus sends out the 70 okay and so Jesus sends out the 70 with essentially the same command that he sends out the 12 except the difference is he tells the 12 to cast out demons. He only tells the 70 to heal the sick. So the 70 are not told to cast out demons, okay? They're only told to heal the sick and preach the gospel, where the 12 are given the authority and the power to cast out demons. But because God does exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think, they also had the power that demons would submit unto them, even though, oh, God, they had more than they knew on the inside of them. So when they went out to do what God commissioned them to do, when they came across somebody uh, who would put, of a demon, that demon would submit to the power of God in them. I want to tell you something today, real life. You have more in you than you know. You would not be walking around with your head down if you knew that the greater one lived on the inside of you. Somebody said the greater one lives on the inside of you. You need to start walking in the authority of the greater one. Somebody stand to your feet and say, I'm going to walk in the authority of the greater one I have that power now I don't have to wait on it I don't have to put it on layaway I have that power now so I can speak to sickness I can speak to debt I can speak to let. I can speak to insubordination and it has to obey not me but the greater one somebody say I have authority now There was more in them than they knew. So they come back rejoicing. Even the demons. Subject. To us. In your name. They weren't really expecting that. Because what they had was for healing. The 12 had that demon-chasing authority. We just read it, right? These guys were told to go heal the sick, preach the gospel. They were like, Jesus, man, we went where you told us to go. Everything was just like you said. Isn't that amazing? That when you obey God, it turned out just like he said. You told us to go to these people's house, don't take nothing. Don't take no knapsack, no food, no extra sandals, nothing. You said that when we get to people's house, we'll speak peace and, and the peace would rest on it if it was a son of peace in there. And if it wasn't, the peace would come back. And I can imagine someone went to Jesus and said, I felt my peace come back. Some of them said, I saw my peace rest on the house. So I went in the house and, Jesus, they fed me every day and took care of me every day. And we went through the city and we healed the sick. And, Jesus, even demons. Can you understand the excitement that these men have gone out by faith on an assignment from God? And to find out that not only could they heal the sick and preach the gospel. But demons submitted to them because of the name of Jesus. Now, see what we say is we think we have to say the name of Jesus. See when we see, when we see name of Jesus, that's what we think we have to. We have the name of Jesus, but I'm gonna tell you, a lot of people say name of Jesus and nothing happening because name represented authority. He said, I gave you authority over sickness. Uh, it's not just speaking his name. It's operating in his authority. And he doesn't just give his authority to anybody. Cooperating operating in the authority. They had permission to speak healing. you you have permission to speak healing? You know you've been given permission, you've been granted permission to, to, uh, especially y'all elders to go where the sick are. If there are any sick among you call for the elders. I wish I had an elder in here. And let him come and lay hands on him, put some all on him, and and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they have any sins, they shall be forgiven. Elders, you have authority to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Somebody say authority. Given by Jesus. That simply means permission with empowerment. I didn't just say you could do it. I'm going to give you what you need to get it done. Can you imagine how excited they were? Anybody ever did something for the Lord and you got excited when it worked? Come on, come on, raise your hand in here. God told you to do something, and you were excited because it worked. And, and, and this is this church. I'm excited about this church because it worked. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, every time I come here, I'm like a little boy going to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm just as happy as I can be. I mean, you know, I come in here, I'm happy every Sunday when I come in. If I ain't feeling my best right now, but I feel good. <laughs> I knew that I would. Come on here, somebody. But sometimes, even when the church is sad, I'm happy. <laughs> So so the reality is, is that you're happy because what you see God doing, what God promised he would do, right, Apostle? You say, God said he'll heal your body when you're sick and you start getting healed and you start getting excited about it, right? Am I right about it? And God said he'd restore your marriage and you start getting excited about it. God said that he would bless you abundantly, that he would open the windows of heaven when you gave your tithe and you got what? Come on, excited about it. There's an excitement that's attached to seeing God uh, do what he promised. He would do. Somebody said, "Amen." And so, so when they tell Jesus, they say, "Jesus, we went out, man, and we preached, and and, and, and the demons even submitted us." And Jesus said, "Yeah, I, I I saw Satan." He said, "I beheld him. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven." Now, when I used to when I used to study this, I used to think that Jesus was talking about when he was cast down from heaven, when Michael. Uh, Revelations that describe it that he got in a war with his angels and the angels of God and Michael Ward against Satan and Satan was, was cast down to the earth. But as I've studied this and I've read through several commentaries, they, they presented a very interesting angle to this and, and what he was saying is that Jesus had this ability to watch over his disciples as they were doing his work in the spirit and he said as you were going and people were being loosed from sickness and people were being loosed from from demons and people were being loosed from bondages he said it was as it was as if i was seeing satan fall from heaven like lightning i was seeing his authority over the earth be pulled down to nothing as i watch you operate in the authority and the power of god i saw satan's power diminishing Every time you walk in your authority, the power of the enemy diminishes. I wish I had somebody here. Every time you speak the truth of the word of God over your life, the power of the enemy diminishes. I wish you would cause his power to be not today. Somebody say, I have authority. Let me tell you something, when you don't speak God's word, and when you don't walk in victory, his power over you, it increases, and it'll envelop you, and it'll take you over, but if you walk in the authority of God, his power diminishes in your life, and when you start seeing God move in your life, you want to see him move in somebody else's life, and so his power will diminish in your cousin's life as you speak in the authority the power of God over their life. Somebody shout amen. amen. He said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven. It's lightning. I saw him fall. I mean, whether what these commentators say, I believe that's got its relevance. But he said, I saw it. I saw him fall. I saw him fall. And look, look, and look, he says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means you. He says, "He says, I'm not surprised that you're successful. He says, I expected your success because of what I gave you. So I'm not. Listen, watch this. Watch this. He seems unimpressed that they were effective because it was his expectation that they would be effective." If they operated in what he gave them. See, we are so surprised. It's almost like we didn't expect it to work. But we did it anyway. And it worked. Come on. See, that's why I question uh, that people have the amount of faith they say they have. Because of how surprised they look when it works. Can I get a witness in here? Have you ever seen somebody who talk about how much faith they have? And then when something worked, they look like... They're just shocked that God did what God said they were going to do. Have you ever been that person? Raise your hand. I, I think it's like, it worked. That's when really what they came back saying, Jesus, it worked. And Jesus was like, well, of course it did. I gave you power to walk on scorpions, tread on serpents." You have authority over all the power of the enemy. All of it. Nothing can hurt you. Don't you be surprised that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. The next time you see the weapon, I challenge you not to quiver. I challenge you not to be intimidated. I challenge you not to shake, but I challenge you to stand in the authority of God. Look at the weapon and say, I see you over there, but you can't hurt me. Ah, oh, somebody shout glory. I see you working your stuff over there, Satan, but I just want you to know. I I know the greater one lives in me. And I know that he has a destiny for my life. And I know that even though you might be able to do some stuff, you can't get at me, brother, because I'm protected by the Most High God. Somebody shall glory in this place. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. To the contrary, they are wealthy, they are rich, overflow in abundance. Somebody say, I'm his seed. I'm his seed. I'm his seed. I'm his seed. I'll never beg for bread. I'll never be forsaken. Come on, say that thing. I'll never be left out. I'll never be uncovered because God takes care of Yeah, I knew it would work. I gave you that. These guys are a sauna. They're amped up. You hear me? They are amped up. And Jesus says, but wait a minute. Hold on. Calm down. Nevertheless, not rejoice in this. Don't be getting all super excited. To the point of hyperventilation over the fact that you did some stuff for me. What you need to shout about is what I did for you. Because I'm going to tell you something, he ain't impressed by us as we are. He is not as impressed with our preaching ability. He is not as impressed with our ability to discern or to prophesy or to lay hands. That ain't moving God. What what moves God is somebody who's excited about being saved. Who's excited about being his son. Who's excited about being the son of the most high God. That's what moves him. He's not moved by exegesis and our command of the English language and our hermeneutical power and our homiletics. That does not move God. But somebody who loves him enough to live for him. Somebody who loves him enough to refuse sin. Somebody who loves him enough to obey his commands. Now that moves heart of God we making a big deal out of stuff bishop, apostle that God said he knew we could do and we give the relationship so little praise we'll praise God over cars and houses and healing and wealth and blessings but we don't run, we don't shout cause we're saved We quit doing that. We're taking salvation for granted. We're taking it for granted. But we don't deserve this. He said, you glad that a demon submitted to you. You ought to be glad I got a demon out of you. You glad. That you laid hands on somebody and they got off drugs. You need to be glad I got you off drugs. You, oh, I wish I had a witness here. You ought to be glad that you don't fornicate no more. Glad that you ain't smoking that weed no more. Glad that you ain't in that prison cell no more. Somebody say, He saved me. He said, If you're going to rejoice, rejoice about that. My question is this third Sunday. In September, do you have a reason to rejoice? Do you? Do you have a reason? Do you have a cause? Do you have just cause to go wild in here? Do you have just cause to dance, a holy dance? Do you have just cause to run a few laps around this church? Do you have just cause to high-five your neighbor? Do you have just cause to cry like a newborn baby? Do you have just cause to wave your hands from left to right? Do you have just cause? I want to know if you have a reason today. I need to know. Do you have a reason? Do you have? somebody say, I have a reason. reason. Come on, say, I have a reason. I have a reason to praise Him. I have a reason to love Him. I have a reason to serve Him. I have a reason to submit to Him. I have a reason to live for Him. I have a reason... I have a reason, and it's the fact that He saved me. That's my reason. That's my reason. That's my reason. Come on, touch yourself and say, "That's my reason." Come on, He's come on, say He saved me. He saved me. See the danger, the danger in working for Him, shouting over our works. Is because he says that they're going to come some. They're going to say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he's going to say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So he said, The reason you don't praise or rejoice over your works. Is because your works don't compare to his work. The greatest thing that ever happened in our life is that he saved us. That our names, come on, are written in the Lamb's book of life. There is nothing better Than that. Somebody say nothing better. I skipped a lot of scripture. Can y'all just jump to the message and we'll close here. I believe God did what he wanted to do. Come on, go, go keep on going. Go all the way to that message scripture. See what I've given you? Safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions. And protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. You believe that? You say, while you're here and while you're mine, nobody can get to you. They'll try to get at you. Oh, they try to get at you. But they can't get to you. Look at what he says next. Watch it. Watch it. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God. He said, that's the agenda for rejoicing. You want to rejoice, rejoice over what God has done for you. What has God done for you? Huh? What has he done? What has he done for you? Did he redeem you? With the blood of his son? Did he save you? from a life that you couldn't get out of yourself? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Are there some things that you tried to quit doing you couldn't stop? But because of his saving grace, you've been delivered? Best thing that ever happened to me. I can't compare anything to that. Jesus is the best thing. that's ever happened you. Because I know you're saved. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So you need to ask yourself the next time you want to get down do I have a reason to rejoice? Do I have a reason to right now forget about being depressed and to shout all over this office? Do I have a reason to go to church every Sunday on 10 with a big old smile on my face? Having people thinking something's wrong with us, Prelo. You have a reason tomorrow to go to work with the biggest smile on your face they ever saw. Smiling so big they think you won the lotto. And you can tell them I did better than win the millionaire cash thing. I'm going to heaven. Now, ain't that a blessing? Then ask a man, do you want to go? Because you can go. You can go. But then this, this sermon's got two sides to it. For those who are already redeemed, the question is, do you have a reason to rejoice? And the question is yes. But for those of you who aren't saved, the question is, do you have a reason to rejoice? Because the, scriptures, the scripture, if you go to Revelations 21 and you read that final verse, it says that only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will gain entrance into that beautiful place called heaven. And if your name is not there, you don't have a reason, but you can get one. You can have one. The way to ensure that your name is in that book of life is for you to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Scripture says you shall be saved. You can do that today. You can confess Jesus as Lord. And you can let him sit on the throne of your heart. You see, what there's a throne on your heart. People call it a place, a, a a place for God, but it's a throne, and 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 somebody's sitting on it. The question is, are you sitting on it, or is God sitting on it? And if you've been sitting on the throne of your heart, I want to ask you, how's that?